want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you will be both encouraged and challenged. We would really love it too if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash give. We hope you enjoy the message today. Yeah. I'm about to ruin your day. Uh, anybody know what this is? Any, anybody got this at home? Yeah, let's, uh, let's just stop and pause for a minute. Um, who's got to go home to this? This is uh, one of those deals where the moment it comes in, we get stressed. Wouldn't you agree? Um, in fact, let me stress you out even more. You ready? There you go. Yeah. Um, I had to promise my wife that I... Um, wouldn't use dirty clothes for this illustration. So all the clothes up on stage today is actually clean. Uh, the reason why I want to bring it in is because we've been in a series we've been talking about, about stronger faith, and now we're talking about stronger me, okay? This is the practical side of the faith message. I'm a firm believer. Uh, we can't keep Jesus in a box. We can't keep Jesus locked in just our heart, he has to come out of us. He has to come out of our, the way we live. He has to come out of the way we think, what we do. He has to come out of our hands. He has to come out of our feet. There's action with faith, always. There's always action with faith. Uh, in, in fact, Paul said it best when he said, I can't see your faith if I don't see your actions. I want to see Jesus in work in you. So we've been in this series about the Stronger Me because we just came out of a series called Stronger Faith. Now, in it, we've covered a lot of things, but today... I just want you to know, this message today is probably one of the key ingredients why so many people can't see God in their life, hear God in their life, experience God in their life, and they really get frustrated. I, as a pastor, I'm in so many tough situations where people finally just get to the end of their rope and they're about to bail on church. They're about to bail on their faith. They're about to bail on everything because they just can't hear God. They can't experience God. God's nowhere. And yet they run into people all the time that says, the other day I got away and I prayed and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And they're like, why do you, why do you say stuff like that? If the Holy Spirit just speaks so easily to you, why don't you speak to me? And let me just tell you, wherever you're at, God's speaking to you right now. Wherever you're at, God is speaking to you right now. Okay, and, and here, that's why this message is so important, because in all of these things of, of hearing God and wanting more of God, the, the reality is, is that just like this laundry, just like this mess, if, if, if your closet looks like this, it's okay. I'm not here to talk about your closet tonight. So if your closet looks like this, just trust me, we're not, we're not throwing hot stinging knives at you or anything. This is, my closet looks like this too. If, your back, if the back seat of your truck looks like this, it, it's okay. All, you know, we, all, we all have this. If your car seat, if your kid's car seat is, looks like this, I get it. I totally get it. I totally get it. But here's the thing. If your life looks like this, you might have an issue. If your finances look like this, I can imagine the stress 
you're feeling. If your schedule, let's take a look at your schedule. When you wake up in the morning, what have you got to do? What's all that's got to go on? All that's got to happen. What is your monthly schedule? How are you fitting in fun time? How are you fitting in free time? How are you fitting in work time? How are you fitting in family time? How are you fitting in uh, Jesus time? How are you fitting in church time? How are you fitting in all these things that are so important? Which one's the priority? And if your schedule looks like this, well, there's maybe so many voices in your life, you can't hear his voice. There may be so many things going on, you can't figure out what the main thing is. There may be so many things demanding your finances, you don't know what God has to say about your finances and the order and the plan that God has for your life. That's why this is so important. In fact, I want to just make this statement and then we're going to get going today. It's going to be very difficult for you to grow in your faith if you haven't worked in some space. Everybody say space. space. And, and we all, do I, do, do I have your attention? I mean, this is, we get this, right? But if you get this, you're going to get, you're going to love this. What if life began to look like that? Oh. And every mom in the room just said, oh, whoa. And all of a sudden, you begin to find that there's space. There's margin. We don't use that word very often, but it's a beautiful word, margin. There's margin for error. There's margin for improvement. There's margin for breathing room. There's margin for time, there's margin. And many of us, we weren't taught that you're supposed to have margin. In fact, the general rule of thumb, especially in this part of the country, is, is we work hard, we play hard. We work hard, and we play hard. And, and that's an honorable statement. But has it gotten people in trouble? And here we are today meeting with the understanding we all want to grow closer to the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be where my Father wants me to be. I want to do what my Father wants me to do. But if my schedule, my finances, and my life look like this, I, I give God a lot of no's. I can't do that. That's cool that you can do that, but I can't do that. We can't go there. We can't afford that. I can't do that. I don't have time for that. Ooh, one more thing to do. I can't. And all of a sudden, I'm finding that it's, it's my faith. My faith can be correlated to the space that I have. Come on. Is, could this preach? Have I lost you already? If you're like, so you want me to clean my closet. <laughs> this has nothing to do with your closet. Space has everything to do with the faith that you have. This is so practical. This is something I wish they had taught me years ago. But they taught us to do, 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 go, 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 be, be, be. And all of a sudden, my whole life is jam-packed to where now I'm frustrated because, God, I don't have any more. I don't have any more free time. I don't have any space. And so over the last several years, God has been really dealing with me about structure, organization. I, I don't enjoy it whatsoever. But it's necessary 
And it's something fun to think that now I'm at a place to where I see the free space that I've put into my life to always give God a yes. You may get nothing out of tonight. As of right now, you're staring at me. So I'm going to give it my best. Will you pray? Father, we love you. Thank you for who you are. Jesus, do what only you can do. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. And Father, today I pray that you would crack through an old crusty shell and let us really see the revival that can take place in our life when we allow space for faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's... This whole week, I've been thinking and chewing and chewing. I had, I had my message prepared, but then I began to ask myself a question. Okay, Ty, how come it is that you just can't handle good space? Okay, get a little bit of extra money, and there's always something, always something that I want to buy. Okay, you, you get some free time, and I always want to fill it. Okay, life finally gets to a place where there's breathing room, and I'd rather have claustrophobia than breathing room. Why is it that I always fill in the, the free space? And, and I began to pray about it and ask the Lord. One of the things that I suggested to the Lord, have you guys ever suggested something to God before? I, I suggested to God, maybe it's irresponsibility. God, maybe it's, it's complete irresponsibility. Maybe I should go ask Heather if it's irresponsibility. He said, no, 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 don't ask Heather. She'll tell you yes. And, and I, I said, okay, well, is it irresponsibility? He goes, are you irresponsible? I said, well, I don't know. And he goes, would I allow you to pastor this church if you were irresponsible? I said, no, sir. And he goes, well, irresponsibility doesn't claustrophobic your life. Okay, so it's not irresponsibility. Is it immaturity? And see, that's something every one of us would say. For somebody who lived their life like this, they've got to be immature. And I think maybe a little bit, but that wasn't the issue. So if you're in this place and you're like, I, I think I'm immature, I bet you're not. I bet there's a lot of you that want to be mature and you're growing. You're growing all the time. I said, Lord, what is it? How come I can't stand space? And one word popped up. Fear. Fear. I said, God, fear? What does fear have to do with it? Fear has a main thing to do with it. One of the things that I noticed about fear in my life is there's two things that take place. The first thing about fear is when fear happens, when something just gets me, the first thing that happens is stress levels go up and focus narrows. Do you guys ever experience fear? Let's talk about fear of finances. Do you guys ever sit at home and some of your worst fights is you don't have enough money? Do you all know that feeling? Do you ever feel that in your gut? It starts right here, then it comes out your mouth. Okay? And it turns into a fight. It's not because you don't, hate, you don't like each other. It's not because you hate each other. It's because fear just gripped you. And all of a sudden, your stress level goes up. We don't have enough. How are we going to make it? And then let's talk about retirement. How are we ever going to have enough at the end of, the, of, our, of our life? Okay? And stress level goes up and focus narrows. We can go from having a great day to now all of a sudden thinking about nothing and nothing else but finances. Am I right? Y'all wouldn't tell me if I was or anything, so uh, focus narrows. And all of a sudden, I'd be, I just noticed stress levels go up and focus narrows. I can start a day. I can start my day with full faith. Have you ever woken up but not been quite awake, and your eyes are closed, and you're laying there in bed, and it's just already a good morning? 
you got good sleep, you're laying there, and all of a sudden you begin to pray, Father, I pray for today. Thank you for all that you got for me. I thank you that you've got a plan, you've got a purpose, and oh, Lord, use me. In Jesus' name, amen. And you open your eyes, and the first thing that happens is your kid comes in and says, don't forget, I got to take 15 cupcakes to school today. And like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, don't forget, you're supposed to tell me. And I, was like, oh, I forgot to tell you, but, you know, uh, can you get 15 cupcakes there? And all of a sudden, you're going, you, you now go from faith to, oh my gosh, that just took up part of my day. And then uh, the husband comes in and says, run this by uh, the, the life insurance. We've got a pair of life insurance today. And you look at it, it's a check for thousands of dollars, and it's like, ah! And, and it goes from so much faith to turns into so much fear in just so, much, so many minutes. As I begin to examine fear in my life and how it affects my decisions and also my, my clutteredness, I begin to realize that some of the dumbest decisions I ever made in my life were based on fear. Why do we fear? Because I'm afraid that. I'm afraid that. How are we doing back there? They go, why do we fear? I'm afraid that, number one, I'm missing out. I mean, think about this for a minute. Some of the dumbest decisions I've ever made that just cluttered my day is I know I should have said no. I should have said I can't do it. I should have said uh, th- th- we, we have to choose what we need to choose, and we need to do what we need to do, but we can't do everything. But I'm afraid I'm going to miss out. You know where it affects me the most is my kids. Several years ago, we looked at our kids and said, hey, guys, Whatever you want to do, let's just get active. Let's just do it. And little bitty kids started choosing soccer and baseball and football and all these different things. And then all of a sudden, this grip came over my heart to where something new came along, karate or whatever the next thing was. And I began to say, we can't do everything. But then the one thing that entered my head, and parents, you tell me if I'm wrong on this, I'm afraid my kids are going to miss out if they're not active. I'm afraid they're going to miss out if they don't have. And so now all of a sudden I'm buying, I'm getting, we're committing to all the things that we should probably say no to or think about or at least pray about. But I'm afraid afraid my kids are going to miss out. So now all of a sudden we have our kids committed to everything and we're going a million miles an hour and it's costing us a a ton of stuff and it's not because I'm irresponsible and it's not because I'm immature It's just I'm afraid that I'm letting my kids down by not giving them what they want. There's another thing I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of falling behind. Heather is the cool cucumber. Heather is the one that when we sit down, we have a meeting, I say, okay, are we putting money back? Heather goes, we're doing great. We're putting this percentage back every month. We're doing this. Everything's cool. And then I can go walk away and see what somebody else has or hear what somebody else did. And I can come back in the house and go, no, 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 I don't think we're doing good enough. I, I, think, I think we need to do more. We need to do more, Heather. I don't think we're doing, we don't have enough. We don't have enough. I think we should sit down. We should discuss. And I have worked myself up because I'm afraid that somewhere, some way, somehow, we're falling behind. We're falling behind in our finances. We're falling behind with our kids. We're falling up behind with their grades. We're falling behind. And we're actually doing the best we can. But it's not irresponsibility. It's not immaturity. It's just the fear 
that I'm falling behind. This next one, it, it haunts me constantly. You may not deal with this, but this is a big one for me. I think one of my biggest fears is that one day I didn't do enough. And everything that I did do, it really won't matter in the end. I think as a, as a dad, I'm always thinking about if I did enough, did I do enough? Did I do enough? Did I teach him enough? Did I coach him enough? Did I do enough? As a pastor, it, it, it wears me out the most. Uh, the staff will tell you that I'm constantly driving, constantly pushing. Are we doing enough? Are we doing enough? Um, I don't know why this affects me so much, but it's fear. Faith would say, Tybean, have you ever done everything God told you to do? I said, I hope so. I believe every time God spoke to me to do something, I did it. Then what am I worried about? And it's this fear that in the end, my life won't matter. And so now I find myself do, trying to do more, trying to do things that I don't have a gifting for. And all of a sudden, my life kind of looks like this. Instead of looking like free space and margin, to be under, able to understand that everything is where it's supposed to be. And there's breathing room to have peace. And there's breathing room to have joy. And there's breathing room for faith to do what it does. Now, I'm going to get to Scripture here in a minute. This is my way to just kind of set this up. Because nowhere in Scripture does it talk about margin. And nowhere in Scripture does it talk about space. Hey, make sure in your day you don't plan everything. Hey, make sure with your money you always spend this much on here and this much on here. It's never specific in this area. But it's not specific. However, everywhere in the Bible it talks about creating space and God's idea of space. Now, I'm going to give you a little homework today. And I want, to write you the, I want you to write these three things down. And there are three, these are three things that you're going to have, either have fear over or you're going to have faith in. Okay? Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to have fear of faith. We're going to have fear of faith. Okay? And here we go. The Bible doesn't say anything about margin. But God himself says something about the Sabbath. Dang. Let me specifically tell you what the Sabbath is. God created the world. What did you do? <laughs> God created the world, the world in six days and rested. Everybody say rested. Did you forget that? God himself created the world in six days and rested on the Sabbath. And then he thought it was such a great idea, he turned to his creations and said, implement the very same thing. Work six days and rest the seventh. Let me give you the definition behind a Sabbath. The Sabbath is on Saturday. I don't know if anybody knew that, but it was actually on Saturday, okay? And at the sun going down on Friday night, no work was done from then until Saturday was over. And the reason why this was such a big deal is because God said, rest is your free space. Rest is your margin. 
and you will work six days, and you will do like I did. You will rest on the seventh. And this will create what you need to go be the people that I've called you to be. This is one of the most overlooked, important teachings, and it is one of the oldest teachings known to our faith. Honor the Sabbath. You couldn't move anything. You couldn't lift anything. You couldn't do anything. And it took planning. You had to cook Saturday's meal on Friday. So Friday we're cooking two meals, the one for Friday and the one for Saturday. It took well thought out planning. But that's what rest requires, is you not just to do it, but you to plan for it. And God blessed his people with a Sabbath and said, this is the rest and the replenish you need. There's another one that you're going to have to choose fear of faith on. God doesn't say anything about margins, but he does say something about the tithe. And the tithe is really amazing. It's one of the oldest teachings in our faith. But it is this teaching where God turns and says, you have to understand that everything you have I gave you. And honor me with the first, everybody say the first, 10%. Now as a pastor, I hear all kinds of excuses why I can't tithe. I can't tithe, I can't tithe, I can't tithe. Well, why can't you tithe? Because by the time we end up paying our bills, and the time we get through doing what we do, by the time we put money back, there's just no money left over. And see, just in your definition right there, you live with no space. You live in a life that has no margin. And if you stop and realize that just in the way you described your tithe, we have to pay our bills, we have to go live, we have to put some money back, and then there's no money left, you forgot to put God first. That's why everybody can tithe. Everybody. Because it's not the last 10%. It's the first 10%. And God turns around and says, what I'm teaching you is how to honor me, to realize I'm the one who blesses you, and I'm creating margin in your life. To be able to understand priorities and what the main thing is. And he ends up saying... See if I won't rebuke the devourer for your sake. See if I will not close the hands instead of it slipping through. See if I won't bless you. And it's this whole, you have really more than you think you have, but you've got everything out of order because of the fear of missing out, of falling behind, or your life not mattering. There's one more thing, and this is where I'm going to show you something in Scripture. Y'all have been so good, so patient, but in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 10, there's the law of gleaning. The law of gleaning is this amazing teaching of God turning to the farmers and saying, there's a certain way I want you to harvest your field, okay? So turn to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9, and, and let me give you a, a rundown of this. Imagine a farmer owning a field. Back then, everybody owned a field. Okay? And they're going to go out during harvest time and they're going to cut the wheat. Okay? And they're going to cut the wheat. And God turns to him and says, there's a specific way I want you to cut the wheat. I want you to cut all the wheat except for the wheat's wheat on the side and the wheat in the corners. And if there's any wheat left over, just leave it. Just leave it. Let me show you why. 
It says in verse 9, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly, that means entirely, reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't an idea. This is God saying, don't reap the the corners. And you shall not glean your vineyards, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the who? For the poor and the stranger. You know one of the biggest things that we run into? Nobody can be a ministry anymore because everybody is so maxed out they need somebody to come minister to them. Did you hear that? Nobody can be in the ministry anymore. Nobody can bless other people. Nobody can be there for other people. About the best we can do is we can pray for them and we can encourage them. But there was a day, there was a day to where the elders of the church saw somebody in the church who was financially in trouble and they would go get involved and they would figure out what we needed to do to help them out and they would rebuild the roof or they would pull up the septic tank and they inside the church would take care of each other. There was moments to where if a mom lost the dad, but the kids were in college. The elders of the church would come to the mom and she would go, I don't know how we're going to keep them in school. I'm going to have to pull them out of school. And the elders of the church would say, no, those boys, that girl, they need to be in college and we are the church and we will help you keep those kids in college. But nobody does that anymore, at least not what they used to, because everybody is living like this. Nowadays, there was a time that we used to be a miracle for each other. It wasn't everybody turning to the pastor going, I need your help, I need your help. I love it when you need my help. But there was a time when you could turn to the elders of the church, the people around, who people just went, they were, they were, they were here, they were successful, they did things right. They had some spacing in their life. And the problems were solved by the people in the church. But all of us are so maxed out, the ministry is gone. Not like it used to be, but I think it could still be good. If we stop think, start thinking about what does our law of gathering, look, a gleaning look like? And the reason why they left a little meat on the bone, the reason why they left a little wheat in the field, the reason why they picked all the grapes and then they didn't go back and repick the ones they missed because they wanted to be a blessing to the poor and the stranger. I think it's very interesting how this verse ends up. Look at the very end. It says, I am the Lord your God. What a sentence. Okay, listen, pick the wheat, leave a little. Pick the grapes, leave a little. We do this for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. It's a way of God saying, see if I won't bless you. See if I won't take care of you. See if I won't take care of you for taking care of someone else. Thank you for living in a space-free environment. We have opportunity to breathe. You have margin in your life. You can be a miracle for somebody. It's not only in Leviticus, it's also found in Deuteronomy, and it it says something cool. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19, it says this, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, check that out, you bale the hay, and as you're belling the hay, you look out there and you realize you left a couple bales. Some of us would just like, we go pick up every bale. He says, forget the sheaf in the field. You shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the who? 
for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. The person you don't even know, but they need a little help. The fatherless, because it really hurts. Being a single mom, trying to raise a bunch of boys, a bunch of girls, and to have a little help would be nice. And the widow, to where everybody's grown up, everybody's moved out, and she's all alone. And to have a, have a little sheaf that's already tied up. Somebody forgot to pick it up. But you wave at her. She says, thank you. And you go back to cleaning the field. You ain't got to pick up everything. But it's not just that. It says, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. But look at the very next verse. I love this. That the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Stop. This is the part I love. Do you not think God sees that your margin produced ministry and God will turn and say, I can bless that. And the funny thing is, all of us are so afraid we're going to miss out. But, but you don't understand, Ty, if I don't get every bale, then, then my cattle are going to starve. If I don't get every, every bit of the wheat, then, man, I, I've got to pay bills too. I've got to do stuff too. God says, I think you forgot who brings the blessing. You think you working harder makes you stronger? And haven't we bit that apple? <laughs> and God's saying, y'all, y'all got it all, all backwards. It's not you who brings the blessing. I got an idea, Pastor. I'm going to work 25 hours a day. Like, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. Have you thought about this? God, if we're people of faith, it's not you who work harder. You'll work harder and miss out on the biggest blessings in life. It's that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. It's not all he says here. Oh, excuse me. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> yes. Jesus has something to say about it too. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, verse 31. Therefore, do not worry. Oh my gosh, I'm going to say it again. Therefore, do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what if we miss out on this? Or what if our kids miss out on that? Or what if, they, those, what if those kids do it and our kids don't? What if the, that family goes and we don't go? What, what if? For all these things the Gentiles seek after. In other words, let me put it in our wording. This is how worldly people talk. This is how people of faith talk. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Stop. Do you not realize that your God knows exactly what you need? 
And when we don't think God knows what we need, we might could just handle it ourselves and I'll buy it on my own. We've got to go back to realizing that if we go to our Father in heaven, do you not think your Lord knows exactly what your kid needs for rodeo? Do you not think your Father knows exactly what you need for your bills and your vacation and your savings and your retirement? But look at the very next thing it says. I love this. You've got to get this. But seek first the kingdom of God. But if you'll start seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know what it says? I love this part. And all these things. How many of these things? All these things shall be added to you. In our echo group this week, y'all are going to be reading halfway through this amazing little story I heard uh, on the radio, from Dave Ramsey. Yes, kind of on a Dave Ramsey trip right now. So I was driving down the road, and I was just praying for this time. And really, honestly, the funniest little things happen. I, I just sitting in the house, and I don't want to watch TV, and the Dallas Cowboys suck, and I'm, 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 just, I'm just enjoying the day, and I, why do I want to ruin it? And, and, and I just turned to Heather, and I said, I'm going to go for a drive. I'm going to go pray. So I hop in the truck, and I just start it up, and I just take off. And sometimes I drive to Seminole, and sometimes I drive to Tatum, and sometimes I just drive. I just drive, and I sing. I'm singing to Jesus, and I don't ask you to come with me because I'm singing to Jesus. And I'm having such a great time, and I just turn on the radio. And on Sirius Radio, Channel 111, you can listen to Dave Ramsey from time to time. And this couple called in, and one of the fun things they do on Dave Ramsey, they do a, a, uh, a debt-free shout. And um, they call in, they talk about how, how, how in debt they were how much debt they had, credit card debt, student loan debt, all this kind of debt. And, and they, they, they finally got to the place where they're completely debt-free. And they're going to give a great big shout, we're debt-free on the Dave Ramsey show. But Dave turned to this couple, so they're on there, and said, how much, how, how much debt did you have? And they said, we had uh, $350,000 in, in debt. And uh, that didn't include our house. And with our house, which is now paid off, uh, we now, we, we did have uh, $600,000 in debt. And Dave said, man. And then Dave asked this question. This is the whole reason I'm bringing it up. Dave turned and said, what was the hardest thing about becoming debt-free? I thought, he didn't ask that question very often. So I turn it up. And the dad, the, the man, the husband, the dad goes, I got this one. And she goes, let him tell you the story. And I'm like, all right. So I'm driving along. And he goes, the hardest thing about becoming debt-free in our story is the time when right after we had just made a commitment that this is what we were going to do, this is the most important thing, if we were going to ever have margin in our life, then we have to attack debt where we're at. He said it took us eight and a half years to get out of debt. We had to focus all of our attention, take on extra jobs, and now we don't have to work extra jobs and, and, and we, we don't have anybody that wants any money. We have experienced the margin. So, but the hardest part was about a year into us becoming debt-free. Everything was on track. Everything was going. My uh, mom and dad celebrated, this is what his story, their big anniversary. And they turned to all the kids, and we got an email that as a family, we've now been invited to go on the family 
anniversary, vacation, to celebrate mom and dad's vacation. He said, now keep this in mind. We are on track. We are headed in the right direction. We are attacking debt. And now all of our family, all of the brothers and sisters, all of the grandkids, all of the nieces and nephews, everybody is going on a long trip to where they're going to enjoy Cancun or cruise or whatever. The, he didn't tell what, what the vacation was, but they were going to go out of the United States. And they looked at each other and they realized that they had knocked off enough debt that they could, they could find the money somewhere, putting on a credit card, some form of fashion, to go on this vacation. And he said, all night long. We laid in bed and we tossed and turned. He said, I could hear her tossing. She could hear me tossing. And finally at 3 o'clock in the morning, I said, are you awake? And she said, yeah. She, he said, are you awake? And he said, yeah. And we were both just staring at the ceiling. He said, we turned on the lights and we just began to pray. And we just had to go, Father, I'm afraid of missing out. I'm afraid of missing the big day. I'm afraid our kids are going to hate us for not getting to go with all the other grandkids. How come they get to go and we don't get to go? And all of a sudden, right then, they said, Holy Spirit gave us the peace. Right there on the radio. Holy Spirit gave us the peace to look at the end goal of us, of our older children. Now, this is younger children turning to him and say, Where are you? how come they get to go and we don't get to go? This is older children now turning to them and going, Mom and Dad, thank you for leaving a legacy for our family to where our family is blessed. And, and we get to do all kinds of things now that we could have never done back then. You, they get to experience an inheritance. And they begin to just see on down the line, they get to leave their kids money. They get to leave their kids a house. They get to leave their kids uh, 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 stocks. And, and, and if they just stayed on track for these eight years, they would experience the next 40 years of the blessing of walking out of the clutter, out of the mess, out of the chaos, and having margin in their schedule, in their finances, in their faith, and in their life. And I thought, oh my gosh, God, I needed to hear that. And so all week I've been praying for you. All week I wish you, I, I've been praying that you would come to church tonight and be ex ex excited because I could not wait to talk to you about this tonight. Because somebody has so many voices in your head, you can't hear his voice. And you've got so many things going on, you can't figure out what thing must happen that he wants me to be in. And you can't have a stronger faith until you have a stronger space. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for my friends. What a weird little message tonight. What a little message where we all just sit back and go, I, wow. But tonight was enough of the word to change our lives forever. And Jesus, today I pray there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is not a time that we all sit back and we beat each other up. Why, this is how we got into this position. No, this is a moment we all turn around and we go, you know what? I think God wants something different for our life. Jesus, right now, I just pray with all my heart that you would speak, that you would encourage, you would show where they can be 10 years from now, 8 years from now, 5 years from now, 3 years from now, wherever it is. All because margin, 
space and breathing room took place in their life. Jesus, I pray they wouldn't miss out on great memories. And Father, I pray that they wouldn't miss out on some great purchases. But in all of it, Father, I do pray that the chaos and the clutter would be so foreign to them. One day, that we would have victory. That we would choose wisely. And Father, I know who I'm praying for right now, but I just pray that you would bless them with what is the most important in their life. We just want to breathe for a minute. Just let, what, what would free space look like? What would margin look like? What, who could we bless? Man, Christmas is right around the corner. How cool would it be just to, just to say, you know what? We're in a spot to where we could be a miracle for that family. They could see Jesus in a way they never have got to see. Or someone that's just struggling with something and say, hey, there's no reason why you need to go get a loan. There's no reason why you need to worry about it. We can fix this. We can fix this. Someone's praying right now for a miracle in their life. And there are so many people in this room that could be a miracle for somebody because they've allowed margin to come in to their life. Yeah. You're a good, good father. And we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, there you go. I gave you a hard enough time at the beginning, and y'all did really good at the end. I sure love you guys, and I love it when you walk through the door. Uh, would you stand to your feet? Cowboy Junction, it's time for us to love God, love people, and have no limits in our life. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. God bless you guys, and have a great week in the Lord. See you later. Thank you.